The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. The House of Representatives has passed the continuing resolution to fund the government that will get us past that Friday deadline. Ed Baxter with the story in the 960 Newsroom. Ed? Yeah, exactly right, Brian. Now, this uh, this does kick the issues presumably to January and February uh, regarding funding as a whole and individually. Today's vote took a bipartisan support to get it with Democrats crossing party lines. The vote 336 to 95 to pass it. Now, Speaker Mike Johnson said it had to happen this way. When you have a small majority, it requires some things are going to have to be bipartisan. But I think these are issues that every member of Congress should agree on. We we are on an unsustainable track with our debt. So this could be a landmark day, or it could be just a blip on a screen of animosity. Um, it's, uh, you know, they, they work together, bipartisan, moving forward. Bloomberg's Gregory Corte says it looks as if it will sail through the Senate, and then the president will sign it. President Biden did not come out with a veto threat of this House Republican plan. It sent the signal pretty clearly to Democrats in the House, but also in the Senate, that this is something the White House can live with. Uh, It does not deliver on the key priorities of President Biden to fund Ukraine, to fund Israel. And uh, he threw in funding security at the southern border as a a deal sweetener. Yeah, so it's not done yet, but it looks like like the Senate will go along uh, because Chuck Schumer, uh, the Senate Majority Leader, did say earlier today that he was very pleased and the president, uh, as uh, Gregory said, uh, said he will not veto it. So uh, it, it will get done. Uh, hopefully it can get done before Friday. The government is due to uh, to run out of funding at midnight on Friday. Israel facing mounting global pressure regarding attacks on Gaza hospitals. This is forces continue to surround Al-Shifa Hospital. Uh, Bloomberg's Oliver Crook says the fighting rages on The defense minister of Israel says that Hamas has lost control of Gaza at this stage. But really, as you say, the focus is on these hospitals and really beginning to test the limits of where the limit of self-defense is, which has been really a question, I think, for everybody since the beginning of this conflict. And everyone has a different answer to that. But we're starting to see that progress a little bit, particularly with the United States, which, as we know, is a key ally for Israel in this battle. But he says the tone of the criticisms of the hospital attacks has changed. The question is, where does it reach its limit? Again, so a lot of this stuff is going to be behind the closed doors, the discussions with Biden and Netanyahu not taken out into the public, but you're starting to notice it in a lot of the public statements we're hearing from U.S. officials. Meanwhile, the U.S. Pentagon says it has intelligence regarding al-Shifa. Spokeswoman Sabrina Singh. Hamas and PIJ members 
operate a command and control node from Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza City. They have weapons stored there and are prepared to respond to an Israeli military operation against the facility. And Singh also says the U.S. is efforting to try to stop the spread of the war as well. There have been 27 attacks against U.S. forces in Iraq and 28 attacks in Syria. And says the U.S. will defend itself. Global News 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. U.S. inflation broadly slowed in October, and traders are now betting that the Fed's aggressive rate-hiking cycle is over. However, Citadel founder Ken Griffin says that cutting interest rates too quickly would be risky for the Fed. The key, from my perspective, is the, is the Fed needs to stay on message that they're going to put the inflation genie back in the bottle. And so if they, if they cut too soon, I think they risk losing credibility around their commitment to a 2% inflation target. That Citadel founder, Ken Griffin. Meantime, if you look at the warp function on the Bloomberg terminal, you'll see that there is zero expectation for a hike in December or at any meeting next year. Meantime, some Fed officials are not convinced that the fight against inflation is over. Chicago Fed President Austin Goolsby and his R- Richmond counterpart Thomas Barkin welcomed the CPI report, calling it progress, but both predicted a bumpy road in getting prices down even more. China's President Xi Jinping has arrived at the San Francisco International Airport. He was greeted there by U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and California Governor Gavin Newsom. Now tomorrow, Presidents Biden and and she will be meeting for the first time in a year. This, of course, will be happening on the sidelines of the APEC summit. Today, President Biden said he's hoping for constructive talks. We're not trying to decouple from China. But we're, what we're trying to do is change the relationship for the better. President Biden there, he did say that President Xi Jinping needs to ease the criteria for American companies investing in China and not requiring those companies to turn over trade secrets. Biden also said the U.S. is interested in helping China's struggling economy, but not at the expense of American intellectual property. Brian? And some of the biggest names, Doug, in American business are attending the APEC summit, and they'll have an audience with Chinese President Xi and with other Asian leaders. 
Partners. The CEOs include Citigroup's Jane Fraser, Exxon's Darren Woods, Microsoft's Satya Nadella, and Tesla's Elon Musk. We get more on the story from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. A CEO summit on the sidelines of the APEC meeting will coincide with the most challenging trade climate in a generation. From tech to logistics to oil and finance, companies are struggling to maintain access to Chinese customers, even as they try to navigate a growing list of regulations, tariffs, and export controls. Some of the executives have been invited to dine with Xi, a chance for them to air their concerns and ambitions in a less formal setting. In Washington, Ann Kate's Bloomberg Radio. China is said to be planning a form of helicopter money. Remember that term? As a way of helping China's ailing housing market. The story from Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann in Hong Kong. Sources say China is looking to provide $137 billion of financing for urban village renewal. The funds would be injected in phases through policy banks. Officials are said to be considering using a controversial program called Pledge Supplemental Lending, or PSL. The PSL has been dubbed by some as helicopter money and allows the central bank to provide low-cost funds to developers of shantytown renovation projects. It was deployed in 2014 to reverse a property downturn, but was later criticized for inflating a bubble. In any case, the move is another push to put a floor under the biggest property downturn in decades. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Radio. Meantime, Bloomberg Economics says that China's activity data for October will probably show the recovery needs more support. Bloomberg's Joanne Wong has the story. Our economists predict the data will reinforce earlier signals that the economy is struggling to rebound. Output and fixed asset investment growth probably slowed. A likely pickup in retail sales had more to do with a low base of comparison than stronger consumption. On industrial production, Bloomberg Economics estimates it rose 3.9% year-on-year. That'd be down from a 4.5% rise in September. In Taipei, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Economics expects a rate cut by the PBOC to 2.4%. That data or that decision coming up a little bit later today. The market consensus, though, is for another hold by the PBOC. Let's get uh, to our guest now. We would uh, welcome to the uh, airwaves Jody Schneider, political news director for Bloomberg Television and Radio, to discuss the risk for a U.S. government shutdown. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Paul Allen. Jody, thanks so much for joining us. Well, big news uh, that leading Democrats came out here in support of of the speaker's proposal. Before we get to the possible blowback from Republicans, which uh, may be coming, let's look at why the Dems supported it. The vote was 336 to 95. Yeah, we had a great number um, of Democrats supporting it, Brian, uh, and um, some a fair number of Republicans voting against it, but partly because they could. They had cover, in essence. And the, the House uh, uh, Democrats basically um, bailed out the newly elected Speaker, uh, Mike Johnson. They basically decided to go along with this legislation because it didn't contain big spending cuts that they, they couldn't, uh, absor- you know, couldn't accept. And also it was... Um, not really tied to anything. There were what they call poison pills in it. Uh, and it's going to be an election year, and Democrats think they might be able to take back the uh, House after all the speakership um, ruckus or 
earlier this year, uh, you know, and also um, they're really hoping that they can show that they are kind of the governing party. So I think that was their thinking in this. And, and let's not, um, you know, discount uh, the fact that they all want to get home for Thanksgiving. They don't. Mm. They didn't want to be dragged into a shutdown, which frankly uh, tends to, with voters, benefit neither party. It still has to go to the Senate, and and the next few days it may look at times like it's not going to do so well in the Senate because it gets very procedural over there. They may be able to get this on the floor in a day or so, or it may be a few days and right up to the deadline. But the Senate Democrats sound like they're going to go the same way as their um, mm-hmm. their brethren in the House and, and pass this uh, fairly readily. Yeah, in terms of the exhaustion factor, I am put in the mind of a famous saying in politics here in Australia, always back the horse named self-interest. But are we <laughs> setting right. ourselves up here for Groundhog Day early in 2024, literally on Groundhog Day? Yeah, well, part of the bill, see, it's this dual um, uh, kind of deadlines here. The bill funds some parts of the government through January 19th and others through February 2nd, Groundhog Day, as you say, uh, setting up the possibility of another shutdown. And, you know, we've been through this a lot this year, right? I uh, keep running right up to the deadline. But um, it, it, it's possible, although that is an election year and, um, you know, people will be uh, looking very closely uh, at uh, what they think their constituents and their districts are going to think of a shutdown. So this takes us somewhat uh, toward there. Uh, the real question, uh, another real question for Democrats is how do they get their Ukraine and Israel yeah. emergency funding, which is not in this legislation? Yeah, yeah, that was my next question. Uh, what is the process for that? Because not only uh, Ukraine, but no funding for Israel. Uh, so that, that does complicate things. Uh, how does that proceed then? Yeah, so the uh, Republicans want to tie money for Ukraine uh, to Republican demands on border security. Um, Those would be tough to negotiate between the parties. They include things like reducing the right of migrants to seek asylum uh, in the U.S. So that's a real question. That's what the Republicans want. The Democrats, I would presume, uh, got something for their votes here. Um, I don't think they'd be going along with this. And I don't think the White House, um, which decided not to issue a veto threat, they said they didn't like the bill, but they didn't you know, issue a veto threat and they had the opportunity to do so. Um, I presume there were some negotiations that would allow some of this funding to move forward before the end of the year. Well, let's get back to that breakdown of the vote, 336 to 95. And if you look at the headline, it uh, all seems super duper, but uh, a lot of GOP members voting against their own speaker, Chip Roy of Texas, called this asinine. Warren Davidson saying it's too early to take Johnson down. I mean, what's the future for Mike Johnson here? Is he in a honeymoon period? Is his job safe? Yeah, and that, that's the real question here, because, of course, uh, relying on Democratic votes is is part of what lost or a good part of what lost uh, Kevin McCarthy, his speakership, when he did that with the uh, earlier uh, with you know the earlier vote on the uh, to fund the government. Uh, one would think that I think there's a couple things happening here. One is that it is this kind of uh, they had that, you know, really, um, you know, <laughs> very, very, uh, you know, visual, very messy uh, vote to get a speaker and nobody wants to go through that again. Uh, and so I think they realize that they've picked their 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 person and they're going to stick by him at least for a while. Um, the other thing that's happening here is they, you know, they all have to run next year as well. And they uh, being the party of, you know, raucous debates and, and not being able to do anything because you don't have a speaker. I don't think they they want that. There were a lot of votes against this. But again, they could do that because they got the Democrats to vote for it. And so um, I think it's, 
you know, there was more support for it than it may appear. But by being able to vote against it, they were saying, well, we, you know, we want things like spending cuts. We want border controls. So I don't think he's in a lot of danger here. Um, you know, he was kind of doing what was needed to get done. But of course, there's some uh, in the flank, those hardliners that could make his life very difficult. So what happens then to those requests for the spending cuts and and for action on immigration law? Does that find its way back uh, separate or how does that work? Yeah, I think that's a that's a good question. Uh, some of that may uh, be in other legislation. You often want to tie it to spending bills because those have to go, right? We call them riders or hitchhikers. Uh, so we may see that on those bills in uh, January and February, which of course would complicate their passage because that's what the Democrats say they won't go for. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.